everyone, this is Vartok again with another Music and Sci-Fi guest podcast, number 579, for Treks and Sci-Fi, for March 20th, 2016. For today's podcast, I'm going to talk about the music of British-born composer Harry Gregson Williams, who is actually now a U.S. citizen. You were just listening to the inspiring track Life to the 2012 Ridley Scott film Prometheus. One of his most recent films where director Scott asked Harry to come in late in the movie and provide a couple of tracks to help set the tone for the movie. And did you hear there is a possibility that Ridley Scott is planning not one, but three sequels to Prometheus? But I'm way ahead of myself. Hmm, you say, why is Vartok choosing to talk about this particular composer, orchestrator, conductor, and music producer? Do I know any works by Harry Gregson Williams? Well, Harry was the composer for all four installments of the Blockbuster Shrek franchise, and for the score to The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. His other recent scores include The Equalizer, the action thriller Cowboys and Aliens, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, Enemy of the State, and The Replacement Killers. And these are only a few. I'm pretty sure you might recognize many others as I dig into Harry's legacy. Harry was born in Sussex, England on December 13, 1961, making him 55 years old today an age at which most composers are well-established and in high demand if they are an A-list composer like Harry. He grew up in a musical family. At the tender age of seven, he won a musical scholarship to St. John's College at the University of Cambridge, where he was a member of an all-boys choir. He later attended Stowe School as a music scholar, followed by the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London. By the end of his schooling, he was proficient on a number of instruments, including the piano, violin, and percussion. It wasn't until later that he became proficient on electronic synthesizers when he moved to the U.S. Let's hear about Harry's early days getting into the Boys Choir from a February 2016 all-access film music media interview with Kaya Savas one that I will draw upon heavily in the rest of this podcast. Hi, I'm Harry Gregson-Williams, and we're here in my studio in Santa Monica, California. And, uh, but what, what was that initial spark that you remember that was, that was like, I want to do this? You know, well, this for I d- actually, I d- the, the kind of a hallelujah moment for, for, for me in film music um, happened relatively late in my life. Right. Um, you know, I've been doing music since I was four or five, so um, it was no, it's no real surprise that I've, sp- you know, I've fallen into yeah. a career in music, right. you know, I felt like I was a working musician when I was seven, so, um, you know, I was, I, I was packed off to a, a, um, a strange place in Cambridge in England, mm-hmm. um, which was set up, I think it was set up by Henry VIII, actually, oh, wow. you know, that long ago. Um, specifically for 16 boys to learn and read music and to sing. So it was like a kind of, you were a choir boy? A choir school, yeah. Uh, But it was a bit more than that, you you know, you had to Mm -hmm. study music um, and literally sing for your supper. 
Um, <laughs> and if you, you didn't, then you were no good to, to that school, that institution. But it's an amazing place. It still exists today. It's called St. John's College, Cambridge. And um, so I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't know what got into my dad to go and put me up for the audition because <laughs> I, <laughs> I was no great shakes, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, well, not much has changed. But, uh, you know, at six years of age, I played a couple of instruments right. and I could sing my little head off. But um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the, they were looking for because uh, you know there were, there were a lot of people for the went for the audition and they only took four boys that, wow. that yeah. Um, I guess they were looking for someone, <laughs> uh, someone who was quite hardy, <laughs> you know, because you had to be packed off to a boarding school, right? Age six or seven, um, and cope with all the the uh, the things that you'd have to cope with if it was a regular boarding school. Right. I you know living away from home, and uh, you know. Mm, being a schoolboy, l- learning your your math and the rest of it. However, on top of that, there was two to three hours of musical training a day wow. for the sixteen boys, um, and so that was that. You know, presented its own challenges. I, I the only the only bit that I that I I kind of um, rubbed up against them slightly the wrong way. So I liked my sports, and I, you know, sometimes when when the afternoon was drawing on. The rest of the boys would get okay. to go out and play cricket or rugby or whatever it was they were going to do, yeah. uh, and I'd be dragged into to music practice. But actually, later on in my life, when I became a teacher of music and sports, mm-hmm. I organized it so that never did a child, a boy or girl, have to choose between musical sports that, you know, that the right. rugby players were in my choir and the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the people who liked sport were in the orchestra or, or whatever, so you didn't, they didn't have to choose. In his early career, Harry worked as an assistant to composer Richard Harvey in England, and later as an orchestrator and arranger for Stanley Myers, and then went on to compose his first scores for director Nicholas Roge. As of this podcast, Harry has 96 composer credits in the IMDb, so I obviously won't have time to discuss all of these entries, but we'll try to cover his major works. The start of Harry's eventual climb to A-list composer began when he called Hans Zimmer at his studio in London. Let's listen. Yeah, no, I, I never studied composition, but, um, you know, maybe I should. Maybe one day I, I will. But um, <laughs> no, I'm quite serious about about being a composer now and and, uh, and what that entails. And, you know, I've had my start. I had my lucky break. I had my schooling through Hans Zimmer and... Uh, right. uh, and a few other, n- number of other composers actually that bear mentioning, Richard Harvey, who gave me my very original start in Richard England. Richard is great. I love yeah. Richard. Yeah. Well, he, you know, I started you know, making the tea for him um, <laughs> back in about 1990. You know, I, I, I can't remember. Some, I think it was my dad had sa- said, uh, "You, you need to meet this, this, this composer. He's, he's, he's got a, he's got a recording studio in, uh, in a district called Chelsea in London, mm-hmm. which is very posh." So I, I called Richard out one night in about 1995. So um, I, I'd been traveling um, and teaching music up until that point. Right. But I was interested in getting in the studio. And I had a little bit of experience there, not much. And uh, I called him and, and uh, he was obviously in the middle of a session. Uh, I was in London, but I was not close to him. He mm-hmm. was in his posh studio. I don't know where I was. And uh, he said, look, listen, I haven't got time to speak to you now. Um, where are you? So I said, I'm in London. He said, well, where are you staying? So I said, well, I don't know, on a friend's couch. I really haven't got any plans at all. He's like, great, today's Saturday. What are you doing tomorrow? So I said, well, I don't think anything. He said, can you play cricket? So I said, yeah, no, I love cricket. There's baseball in your palms. Um, I love cricket. So I said, sure, sure, sure. He said, great. Um, do you like curry? So I said, yeah, sure I do. Um, so he said, look, can you meet me at such and such a pub? Uh, 
uh, at noon tomorrow and you can play for my cricket team and we'll, ha- we'll have a curry in the evening we'll talk about what what, what you want to do wow. so we became fast friends right there and then and he, he hired me um, you know as a kind of runner uh, apprentice uh, <laughs> T-boy goodness knows what orchestrator <laughs> um, arranger uh, fellow cricket enthusiast um, <laughs> st- straight on the spot and, and wow. uh uh, and I stayed with him for, for five years or something. It was through through working at his studio that one day I met Hans Zimmer. Although Harry gets no composing credit for Muppet Treasure Island, which came out in 1996, here is one of my favorite tracks to indicate the level of professionalism Harry was now involved with as a mentee to Hans Zimmer and as a member of Hans's Remote Control Productions. Remote Control Production is located in Santa Monica, California, being formed and originally known as Media Ventures Entertainment Group in 1989. It is a film score company run by veteran composer Hans Zimmer. It was conceived and founded by Jay Rifkin and Hans Zimmer. However, the company changed its name after the partners both filed lawsuits against each other. Today, Remote Control is home to a large group of composers mentored by Zimmer, many of whom have had successful film scoring careers as part of the company or on their own. Some names you might recognize include Harry, of course, John Debney, Klaus Badelt, Steve Jablonski, Alan Menken, Blake Neely, Trevor Rabin, Mark Streitenfeld, and about 65 other names. In 1996, The Rock directed by Michael Bay and starring Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage, gave us the action movie about a renegade general threatening a nerve gas attack from Alcatraz against San Francisco. Although not credited as a co-composer, it brought Harry music producer credits and one step closer to becoming the composer.
Then, in 1997, Harry was listed as co-composer with Hans Zimmer for the film Smilla's Sense of Snow. Later in 1997, Harry was listed as the sole composer for two more films, Deceiver and The Borrowers. So now Harry is in California and gaining a reputation as a composer. In 1998, Harry is credited with five films. One is The Replacement Killers, about a hitman who gets a conscience about killing and is subsequently chased by replacement killers. As I continue with this podcast, as is my practice, I will either play my favorite track from the film or one that helps to show the breadth of the composer, which is the case with this track that starts with a very staccato percussion-laced chase followed by a somber, tension-building ending. Here is the track, Race Against Time. When Harry joined up with Hans, he came over unmarried and with a light bank account. Let's hear about how he had to invest into Roland Synthgear in order to work with Hans. For me to be useful to him, I had to have a ridiculous amount of these uh, stinking Roland 760 samplers, which is the thing of the time. Right. They're sort of history now. But um, I said, well, Hans... How do I get them? He said, "You take out a bloody bank loan. That's how you do that." And I said, "But Hans, there's no bank will give me. It's, it's, it's they're going to be about forty-two hundred bucks each." And you said, "I have twenty-seven of them." <laughs> I and he's like, "Come on, we'll go to Bank of America. I'll, I'll, whatever you do, cosign. So you better not, you know, you better not screw up." So they, they lent me the money. He said, "You know, one day that'll buy your house." <laughs> Maybe it did. I don't know. But um, yeah, so we, so I got the gear necessary to be able to learn to demo things like he had shown wow. me and I didn't have to 
be the night owl because up until that point, to do anything effective for Hans, I had to do it in his room with his gear. And in order to do that, he hadn't got to be there. Right. Couldn't be two of us sitting on his seat at once. Right. And the guy didn't leave the studio till half past three a.m. Yeah, he's a night owl. Like, oh, <laughs> so that's when I start. Oh, great! During his first few years, Harry collaborated with John Powell, another Hans Zimmer mentee at Remote Control Productions. In my opinion, some of Harry's finest soundtracks have occurred while collaborating with John Powell. These include Ants in 1998, Chicken Run in 2000, and Shrek in 2001. As it turns out, John Powell is another English-born composer who's about two years younger than Harry. If Rico continues to keep the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast going... I will plan on doing a guest podcast about John Powell in the future. Now, here is a cool jazzy track from Ants that just has to raise your mood and get your feet dancing. I personally have rated 11 of 20 tracks to Ants with 5 stars in my iPod. Ants won an ASCAP award for Top Box Office Films and a BMI Film and TV Award, both with John Powell, so it seems other agree on the excellence of this two-composer collaboration. Also in 1998, Harry was involved with The Prince of Egypt, credited with additional music and as conductor. Again in 1998, Harry composed the soundtrack to the film Liar, which surprisingly is not in the IMDb. Here is the main title theme, illustrating how Harry can provide haunting yet lyrical compositions.
Working with Hans Zimmer can be daunting, by all accounts. The next two clips from the 2016 Film Music Media interview illustrate that and how grateful Harry is for having worked with Hans and getting a leg up in the industry. Uh, those early years, I mean, you, you talk about with working with Hans Zimmer and stuff, and uh, I mean, there was an, a bunch of other group of composers who've done the same path. And yeah. and do you remember those years as being um, happy, happy, yeah. or yeah. Are really, like, really intense, happy. Or? happy and intense? And I've always been very grateful and very uh, forthright about you know who gave me my leg up. There's no doubt about right. it that Hans Hans is the reason I'm sitting here. I mean, I told you he he called me and said you know. Get over here, yeah, uh, and I didn't. I didn't. I had to check with Richard Harvey. It was all right because I, I did have a job. And I'm like, Rich, do you mind? I'm just going to go see what happened. But uh, no, I th- the first two or three years, um, you know, it was only, it was really a, a, an intimate setup. I was Hans at the helm, which is where he still is, I'm sure, right. um, and a composing assistant, which was me to be me, and it was kind of the outgoing was Nick Lenny Smith, as I told you. Right. There was a tech. It was Mark Streitenfeld. Um, and then, you know, Alan Marson mixed his scores. Right. Um, and it was, <clears throat> you know, looking back on it, if I would have to relive it now, I'm sure I'd feel an incredible amount of pressure and to yeah. do well and to be successful and not to make any missteps. But at the time, you know, I was young and foolish and there was nothing else for me to do. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, I didn't come here with a family or, or with other right. people, you know, with any particular reason to need to earn money very quickly or anything like that. Or indeed, really have a career very quickly. I, d- I didn't realize that that was what might happen. I, I, my first mission was to, my first film with Hans, which was Muppet Treasure Island, was to do a great job. And, you know, as luck would have it, he, the film recorded back in London, Abbey Road, so, well, at Air Studios, I think it was the, one of the first, if not the first, feature film to be recorded there. And, you know, Hans said, you know, do you want to come back and conduct it? So I'm like, sure, sure, sure. In 1998, the film Enemy of the State directed by Tony Scott, tells the story about a lawyer, played by Will Smith, becoming a target by a corrupt politician, played by John Voight, but saved from an untimely M by former NSA expert, played by Gene Hackman. Here is the main theme, which portrays victory and strength over evil. The score was co-composed with Trevor Rabin, another of the composers at Remote Control Productions.
Enemy of the State won a BMI Film and TV Award for Harry and Trevor Rabin. During a different February 2016 interview with Spitfire Audio, Harry talks about his early days and the piano. Let's listen in. Actually, you know, the reason I, I, I like a woody sound, I think, is because, because I was brought up, on, uh, brought up playing on my dad's piano, which was uh, famous in our family. He won. Well, he didn't win. He won a bunch of money uh, by backing a 100-to-1 winner at the Grand National. And he bought himself a Broadwood piano. I said, that's quite a while ago. Um, and uh, that piano is the one that I grew up playing, the Broadwood, and it had this beautiful woody sound. Not very bright, uh, warm sound. And uh, so I kind of gravitate towards that. And the more I think about it, actually, with my compositions, uh, I can, you know, I can, I can trace why I'm doing what I'm doing back to my early days with my parents and my brothers and sister because there was always music in my house and but uh, it takes you a while to find the things that work for you and uh it's 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 still evolving for me my studio and uh, and it's you know I I really love coming to my studio and try and write music almost every day um and uh, now I have this lovely little home studio attached to my house you know, I did most of the Martian in my gym jams, actually, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Well, you see, I have got five children, and three of them are quite small. Um, so they're awake quite a lot at night. Um, in terms of hardware, I've re returned to this guy, uh, which I rather like, um, which I find really easy to program, uh, you know, because I like buttons you can press. <laughs> uh, I've always liked that. I've always liked, um, you know, for instance, I, I love this little boy over here, um, which is obviously a... a I like the fact that I can, I can just access on my template. For instance, if I want to play the prophet, I go to synths. Uh, actually, go to keyboards. Oh, there they are, keyboard synths. Uh, but my the, the way I liked it set up is that I can move around my studio, and I should I should I'll be able to be into record on on, on anything that I touch. And the idea is that if I touch something, <laughs> it, it, it's being captured. Uh, I like that, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, John Powell collaborated with Harry for the score to the 2000 film Chicken Run, which remains one of my very favorite Harry Gregson Williams soundtracks. Here is the track Cocktails and Flighty Thoughts, showing again more breath with harmonica and multiple music styles in the same track. How can you not be buoyed by this music?
Chicken Run won an ASCAP award for Tox Box Office Films and a BMI Film and TV award. In 2001, Harry was the composer for the film Spy Kids, where the kids of secret agent parents must save them from danger. Also in 2001, in his last collaboration with John Powell and Gavin Greenaway, came the film Shrek, the first of four Shrek films. Eddie Murphy as the voice for Donkey and Mike Myers as Shrek joined forces to rescue Princess Fiona, voiced by Cameron Diaz. Here is the thrilling and orchestral track Ride the Dragon, featuring a full choir. Shrek won an Annie Award for Outstanding Individual Achievement for Music Score of an Animated Feature Production and a BMI Film and TV Award. So you can see Harry and John were a very successful duo. Also starting in 2001, Harry began his composing career for video games with Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. I will talk more briefly about his video game compositions a bit later. In 2001, the film Spy Game, directed by Tony Scott, was released starring Robert Redford, Brad Pitt, and Catherine McCormick. In all, my count shows that Harry composed soundtracks for a total of seven films directed by the late Tony Scott, younger brother to Ridley Scott. I have chosen to include the track Training Montage, just demonstrating again Harry's ability to provide many different genres this time in the form of a rock and percussion jaunt.
During the February 2016 Spitfire audio interview, Harry talks about his first instrument that he could buy once he could afford one, and why he chose this instrument. I might add that during this 2016 video interview and a walkthrough of his studio, it revealed he has instruments everywhere now. So my piano was the first musical instrument I bought uh, as soon as I could afford it, which is about two and a half, three years after I came to LA, because, you know, I was surviving on water and bread, sale bread uh, from Hans at the time. Um, and I suddenly realized there were no musical instruments at Media Ventures. So um, as soon as I was able to, um, I invested in this lovely beast here, and it's got the uh, old schnoodle on the side, can't remember what you call it, uh, but it, uh, you know, it'll play by itself. You know, if you're getting a pickle on a score, it's like, over to you, mate. Um, no, it'll, it'll record, you know, I often improvise um, at the piano uh, and try and find, find some way into my movie. And I find it really helpful just to have this little geezer in record the whole time in case something wonderful happens. And I don't want to stop. You know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, what was that wonderful thing? The year 2003 saw the release of Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, the animated adventure comedy starring the voices of Brad Pitt, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Joseph Fiennes. A legendary sailor is framed by the goddess Eris for the theft of the Book of Peace, and must travel to her realm at the end of the world to retrieve it to save the life of his childhood friend, Prince Proteus. Here is the closing orchestral track, Into the Sunset.
also in 2003 was the release of The Rundown by director Peter Berg, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Beck, Rosario Dawson as Mariana, and Christopher Walken as Hatcher. A tough, aspiring chef is hired to bring home a mobster's son from the Amazon, but becomes involved in the fight against an oppressive town operator. Here's the gritty track, Guns, for this action-adventure. In 2004 saw the release of Man on Fire, directed by Tony Scott. Denzel Washington plays a despondent, alcoholic, former CIA agent who is now a bodyguard for hire and who has to protect a nine-year-old girl named Pita, played by Dakota Fanning. The track Smiling brings a raunchy tone of toughness to the film. See if you agree.
Man on Fire won a BMI Film and TV Award. Immediately after Man on Fire came the second installment of the Shrek franchise with Shrek 2. Shrek and Donkey are back to make us laugh. For Shrek 2 and thereafter, Harry is the sole composer credited with the scores. Now, being a former trumpet player, I just couldn't help picking the track Far, Far Away for its trumpet fanfare, choir, and also the classical sound Harry has brought. Until the air is let out, enjoyed that, Shrek 2 won a BMI Film and TV Award. In the next clip from the Film Music Media interview, we hear about the tricks of the composing trade. You know, the, the opening titles of Deja Vu, probably six, eight years later, yeah. uh, I had a little piano figure, which is ding-tong, mm -hmm. but just flipped it over, so it was... Uh -huh. So I thought it was quite good for Deja Vu. You yes, kind so. of heard it before, yeah. So so and th and that's kind of followed me around and I I, I yeah often I I'll flip audio files yeah. over and see what they sound like backwards. <laughs> it sounds like a first sign of madness. I've I've never been shy about reusing oh, no. things. Not you know little and musical motifs that pop up in different ways. I mean, the, so long as they're used in different ways, I don't see anything wrong with no, that. I Especially mean, if they're kind of work. Danger motif. People kind of crap on it sometimes, but I think it's an amazing stamp of. Your voice and yeah, your man, I, I actually wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you have like a bank of your Harry signature sounds? Sure, like? I have, I have, um, I have, you know, I have a custom audio folder, right? Which we build up every time, you know, after at the end of each movie, uh, every score. Mm -hmm. You know, like for instance, on on uh, finish the Martian at the end of last year, um, whatever it was, and uh, yeah, have my guys sit down with me. We we snipped up various really bits that we just sort of sat together, maybe uh -huh. part of a loop that was working with another part of a loop, and maybe cut out a two-bar sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, that's housed on my on my hard drive, and one that's day awesome. you'll probably hear it reversed, I don't know, put through a, <laughs> put through a sounds amp, and, you know, but it, it's something that I created, and I don't, you know, I, I'd like to have it going forward right. in case I want to... It sounds like I, I'm trying to be really repetitive, I'm not. <laughs> no, but I, th I think, you know, I'm not a 
the bottomless pit of brilliant ideas. You know, sometimes things really sit together. Right. All modesty aside, Harry won Hollywood Composer of the Year in 2005, an acknowledgement by the film industry of his composing skill, after only 10 years in California. For the 2005 release of Kingdom of Heaven, Gregson Williams began his collaboration with one of the top four directors in Hollywood today, Ridley Scott. The others being James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, and Martin Scorsese. Ridley, elder brother to Tony Scott, apparently liked the soundtracks Tony was getting from Harry and began his own collaboration that continues to this day. In all, Harry has composed music for four Ridley Scott films, with number five, Alien Covenant, in the works for 2017. The visual style of Kingdom of Heaven emphasizes set design and impressive cinematography in almost every scene. The score is notable for its haunting music, where the music is a combination of medieval, Middle Eastern, contemporary classical, and popular influences. A track by Jerry Goldsmith and one by Hans Zimmer were also added by Ridley Scott. Kingdom of Heaven won a Satellite Award for Outstanding Original Score. Here is the track, Path to Heaven, which features a choir singing in a classic style. In 2005, after the film Domino, along came the critically acclaimed film The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, directed by Andrew Adamson. In this family adventure fantasy, four kids travel through a wardrobe to the land of Narnia and learn of their destiny to free it with the guidance of a mystical lion. I have chosen the track To Aslan's Camp, so it is the kind of music that you can easily learn and then hum along. To me, one sign of a great melody. See if you remember this one.
The soundtrack was nominated in 2007 for a Golden Globe Award and a Grammy for Best Score Soundtrack Album for a Motion Picture, but unfortunately it did not win either award. Amazingly, Harry has yet to win his first Grammy. Harry provided yet another soundtrack for Tony Scott in the 2006 sci-fi action thriller Deja Vu. Denzel Washington plays an ATF agent in an investigation using experimental surveillance technology to find a bomber, but becomes obsessed with one of the victims. Here is the track Algiers Ferry, which uses one of the tricks Harry mentioned earlier in this podcast. See if you can identify it. Well, if you didn't identify the effect, it was the tone played backwards. In 2006, Harry received his seventh BMI Film and TV Award, 
the BMI Richard Kirk Award for Outstanding Career Achievement. So now, both Hollywood and Britain have acknowledged his composing acumen. Moving to 2007, the film The Number 23 was released, a mystery thriller directed by Joel Schumacher. Jim Carrey plays Walter Sparrow, who becomes obsessed with a novel that he believes was written about him. As his obsession increases, more and more similarities seem to arise. The track Atonement clearly sets the tone of a mystery thriller with its haunting melody.
The third installment of the Shrek franchise was released in 2007 as the appropriately named Shrek the Third. This was another soundtrack with a great orchestral sound. The film won a People's Choice Award, and Eddie Murphy as Donkey won a favorite voice from an animated movie. Do you suppose Eddie Murphy walks around saying he made an ass of himself? Hmm. Well, there were no Music Awards nominations for Harry. However, I find the soundtrack very enjoyable. I will play the track Almost Alone at Last to give you a taste. The year 2007 also saw Harry's first collaboration with actor-director Ben Affleck in the film Gone Baby Gone. Ben agreed with Harry that there is a needed balance between the music and emotion. The music is not to be so strong as to detract from the emotion on the screen, but rather support it. Here is the track Opening, with a clean piano solo that I can just imagine Harry composing in his studio. Thank you. 
Tree has collaborated with Andrew Adamson on four films, including Shrek, Shrek 2, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, an action thriller released in 2008. The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian won a BMI film and TV award, and that year Harry also received another BMI award for Eleventh Hour, for a score he co-composed with Graham Ravel and David Russo. Here is a track titled Return of the Lion, which evokes grandeur with the onset of the large choir and emphasized horns. The Narnia cue returns strong towards the last third of this track.
Harry's only foray into X-Men arrived with the release of the 2008 action sci-fi adventure film X-Men Origins Wolverine, directed by Gavin Hood and starring Hugh Jackman and Lee Schreiber. Crix and Williams conducted a 78-piece orchestra and a 40-voice choir to achieve the sound. In a nod to realism, the choir was singing stanzas from an ancient Norse poem in Old Icelandic for the first track, Logan Through Time. Director Gavin Hood commented on Gregson Williams' style, saying, Harry's challenge is to give us operatic scale, but to also keep it intimate and human. Harry's music has a kind of muscular confidence and strength that is very useful for the action, but he also has tremendous soul. Hood also called the recording performance frigging brilliant. Now that is an endorsement. Here is the track's special privileges. In 2009, a remake of The Taking of Pelham 123 was released. The 1974 original film spelled out 1, 2, and 3 as words, featured a score by David Shire. The 2009 release was directed by Tony Scott and featured Denzel Washington, John Travolta, and Louise Guzman. Armed men hijack a New York City subway train, holding the passengers hostage in return for a ransom, and turning an ordinary day's work for dispatcher Walter Garber into a face-off with the mastermind behind the crime. Here is the track, You a Yankees Fan?
The next year, in 2010, the final Shrek franchise film, Shrek Forever After, returned to the big screen. Shrek gets tricked by Rumpelstiltskin into allowing him to be erased from existence and cast into a dark alternate timeline where Rumpel reigns supreme. Holy shades of Star Trek, Robin! Alternate timelines? The following track, Never Been Better, ends the movie on a high note with a memorable Shrek cue. It's wonderful. are getting close to the present. Hang in there. In 2010, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, was released as an action-adventure fantasy. Directed by Mike Newell and starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Gemma Arterton, and Ben Kingsley. Here is Harry's track, So You're Gonna Help Me, which is orchestral, full of cultural themes and instruments of the Middle East.
Perry's second foray with actor-director Ben Affleck occurred with the 2010 release of The Town. Four lifelong friends from the Charlestown neighborhood of Boston rob a bank. They take the manager, Claire, hostage, but release her unharmed. When they find out Claire lives in their neighborhood, Doug begins to follow her to find out how much she has told the authorities and to make sure that a fellow gang member does not eliminate her as a witness. Soon a romance grows between them, which Doug hides from the gangs. Uh-oh. A voice in the trailer of the film says, There are over 300 bank robberies in Boston every year. Most of these professionals live in a one-square-mile neighborhood called Charlestown. Here is the haunting and emotional track, The Letter. In the next clip, Harry talks about the difficulty of starting out today as a composer, compared to when he started out. This clip is from the February 2016 Spitfire audio interview. Possibly the, the difficult thing with starting off as a composer nowadays, uh, as opposed to perhaps when I did it 20 years ago or whatever, uh, is that it seems like it's a race to get credits, to say yes to just about anything you possibly can, and to to get through it at all costs, as opposed to 
formulating a path, of an individual, unique path that suits you as a composer. And, and, and how, how, it wouldn't it be wonderful if people had enough of a chance to, to learn the trade, very much like I did from Hans, and have a moment where they're not necessarily in the spotlight, but they're in the room, as it were. One of the surprise films of 2011 was a cowboy film mixed with aliens. Even stranger were the two leads of Daniel Craig, a.k.a. James Bond, and Harrison Ford, a.k.a. Indiana Jones. Written by Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman, it was based upon a graphic novel of the same name and directed by John Favreau. This strange combination of a spaceship landing in 1873 Arizona to take over the Earth made for a fun movie, even if it was not all that well received. Good guys, bad guys, and Indians, they all band together to save Earth. The track, See You Around, brings a western tone to this sci-fi thriller. Another 2011 soundtrack for Harry, and his only holiday film to date, was Arthur Christmas. Set on Christmas night, the film tells a story about Santa Claus's clumsy son, Arthur Claus, who discovers that Santa's high-tech ship has failed to deliver one girl's present. In response, he goes on a mission to save her Christmas, accompanied only by his aging grandfather, a rebellious yet enthusiastic young Christmas elf, and a team of eight strong, magical, yet untrained reindeer. Originally, Michael Giacchino and Adam Cohn were to compose the music, but it was reassigned to Harry. This track, Dash Away, provides the excitement of a Christmas adventure.
The next year, in 2012, a remake of Total Recall was released. Now, to me, it's hard to imagine how you could improve upon the original film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sharon Stone, and Michael Ironside, along with a score by master composer Jerry Goldsmith. In fact, the IMDb seems to agree with a score of 7.5 out of 10 for the original film and 6.3 for the remake. Hey, it was Arnold and Jerry Goldsmith and, okay, Sharon Stone. After about 20 years of continuous work, it was time for Harry to take a long-needed rest. In this next clip, he talks about taking a one-year sabbatical to return to England to teach. Before leaving, he closed the large recording studio he rented in Venice Beach, California, and released a large staff of personnel in his hire. Well, I decided to take a year sabbatical, right. so I didn't do any films for a whole year, and I decided to go back to teaching. That's where you went uh, back to England? Yeah, so yeah. I went, I took my wife and uh, some of my children, not all five of them, but um, three of them, um, back to 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 England, um, and I went back to the school where I learned a lot of my music, and I taught music and sports again. Wow! I thought it was time to reconnect with the real world, not the movie world. <laughs> and that probably refreshed you too. I'm it sure. really did. It yeah. really did. And um, and not so much going back and living in in England. I actually missed California while I was away, but yeah. Um, not so much that, but more, um, you know, I, th I think if I have a vocation, it's, it's teaching. You like, you get a yeah. joy out of teaching? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think if I have one, it's probably that. As opposed to film music, I don't want that to sound like I'm ungrateful to be a film composer. I'm not, but uh, my first love was, and the way I really connected with people to begin with, was with, with teaching music and Upon his return to California with a recharged battery... Harry decided to build a studio onto the back of his house, allowing him to have a better balance between work and family. By this time, he and his wife had five children. His first post-sabbatical film was The Equalizer, released in 2014, yet another remake. Denzel Washington plays yet again another good guy who has to help protect another young woman, this time from ultra-violent Russian mobsters. This track, called The Equalizer, provides a strong and bold cue for the hero.
In this next clip, we hear composer Gregson Williams talk about the multiple skills needed to be a successful composer. It's not all just about composing music. It's a much smaller percentage uh, of the whole about composition. If you want to be a film composer, there's a large part of that, that's sort of therapist to the to the director, um, an arbitrator to, between a director and a producer, you know, a, a salesman. I mean, you know, if you can't sell your music to a director, then you're not really going to get anywhere. So far, I haven't talked much about Harry's involvement with video game music, but he scored or contributed to five games associated with the highly successful Metal Gear Solid franchise for Konami, and his Call for Duty for Activision became the top-selling video game in 2014, winning various music awards. In most cases, the music for video games can be from multiple composers, as is the case for most of the games for which Harry has composed. Given the big budgets for the development of video games, it was only a matter of time before top-level composers got involved. I'm including here one of Harry's tracks titled Advanced Soldier Overture from the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare video game, which was released in 2014.
Throughout Harry's career as a composer, he has many times composed music for TV shows, video shorts, and documentaries. One of his most recent works was to provide the soundtrack for Walt Disney's Monkey Kingdom in 2015. Tina Fey provided the narration about a newborn monkey and its mother as they struggled to survive within the competitive social hierarchy of a group of monkeys who live in ancient ruins found deep in the jungle of Sri Lanka. Here is the track, A Magical Kingdom, that happily bounces along and simulates monkey calls. I suspect this was a tune that Harry had a lot of fun composing. In the 2016 Film Music Media interview, Harry talked about what happens when you work with the same director on multiple occasions. Let's listen. The more you work with the same person, the less, the, yeah, the, the, the less antagonistic no. behavior there is, and, and more a push for a common co- for a common cause and for uh, uh, for some sort of an equilibrium. Several films with Joel Schumacher, with Andrew right. Adamson, you know, with Ben and uh, with Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, now, we're just about caught up with the sampling of Gregson Williams' music over his career. In a 2015 interview with Mark Ciafardini, Harry noted that Ridley Scott is a great director because he leads from the front and does not leave you guessing. He did not spell out in musical terms where he wanted me to go. He made suggestions of where I might start. But the great thing about Ridley is that he knows what he wants in his films. While the planet Mars needs to be treated with care... The majesty and mystery of the planet are words that Ridley threw out at me. So instead of making Mars a monster or bad guy, 
we try to make it more mysterious and more awesome. In this next track, Making Water, from The Martian, you can hear how the main character Mark Watney is portrayed as an optimistic kind of guy, set by the tone of the music. In this next clip, we hear how Harry, as a seasoned composer, is now taking things in stride and not being as critical of his own work as he has in the past. I think I realized quite late on that it wasn't a race. You know, I'm not in a race, a foot race with anybody here apart from myself, and not to be t so hard on myself that I think I'm already self-critical enough. I don't need to layer so much pressure on myself to think that... Uh, you know, I'd say I got to a stage before I took a sabbatical, so I'd been doing this 19 years straight, um, where I was finding it quite difficult to compose because everything I composed wasn't good enough in my eyes and it wasn't, it just wasn't unique enough and it wasn't the way I wanted it to be. And I think that's all self-pressure. And I think after my sabbatical, I'd been able to breathe a little bit. And this isn't to do with, uh, you know, someone might say, well, you're lucky you get such great projects and you have, you know, it's not to do with that at all. Or it's not about finances or anything like that. It's more a mental thing about just allowing that love and enthusiasm, which I have always had, but perhaps has been covered up over the years with the pressure, as you very well know, 
uh, and the demands of, 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 uh, of being a film composer. And finally, here are some good words from Harry to live by about doing your best. Certainly I was given a love of going after the very best that something can be at an early age. Yeah, certainly that. If you want to follow Harry Gregson Williams, or Harry GW, as he is known on his SoundCloud site at www.soundcloud.com right slash harry-gw, go there and you can listen to tracks that didn't make the final cut, or cues he has worked on in the past. It's very cool to listen to an A-list composer putting his work online for all to appreciate. Harry also has a Facebook community page under his full name, but without the hyphen in his last name. Well, that's it for this music and sci-fi guest podcast about composer, orchestrator, conductor, and music producer Harry Gregson Williams. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I truly enjoyed learning and reporting out about this composer. Next week, Rika will be back with a Star Trek Voyager episode called Night. And many thanks to Rico for allowing this guest podcast. Let me close out with a final Harry Gregson Williams track from The Martian titled Fly Like Iron Man. <laughs>